0: to turn from your sin, and the faith to trust in Christ alone for your salvation. If you'd like more information, go to our website at EdenWorshipCenter.co Well, it's a privilege to have with us Rich and Ginger Jorgensen, uh, missionaries that we support, that we pray for regularly here, that you see their picture in the bulletin regularly here. Uh, I said in the Sunday School, this is just the full-size edition that we get in person to hear as Rich is going to come and share the word for us. So uh, brother we invite you to come and uh, look forward to hearing what God has to say through his word.
1: Good morning. morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. I see there's plenty of them out here by the view of all the children here. That's awesome. So great to be here at uh, Eden Worship Center. Jinder uh, and I are just blessed to be in partnership with you as we do our missionary thing around the world and we're, we're just grateful for Pastor Matt and, and Danielle and of course Pastor Harold and boy I'm trying to go with, of course Janice I'm almost 70 now so I've got an excuse okay. and it's good to see all the friends out there you know, I really wanted to, I'm going to throw in some things with our missions, but I really want to talk about daily growing our faith, practical daily growing of our faith. You know, the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 2.5 that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. There's so many verses that has that word faith in it. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. So if the word of God is talking to us about faith. We need to obey it. And I wanted to share a lot of stories today, but with scripture, to encourage us. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It also says in Ephesians 6.16, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which we can quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. How many people are having darts thrown at them? I know I get darts thrown at me all the time. And we need to learn how to walk in faith. In our daily walk. So I want to give you, I'll tell you a little bit about us in our missions. But showing how we had a faith walk and that we all have faith walk and we have to work it out on a daily basis because we know the enemy is trying to stop us from being the person or people that we should be and to do exploits. So I'm going to pray real quick here. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is alive It's living and active, powerful, more powerful than a two edged sword. And Lord, speak to us today through your word. I pray that the words that come out of my mouth are edifying and encouraging and true to your word. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So, my name is Rich Jorgensen. My wife is Ginger. And uh, among other things, when we were in West Africa, we traveled to poor villages. These villages did not have running water. They existed by having wells. There was no electricity. The only reason they knew anything about the outside world is they had a radio. So a good vehicle was important for us in the ministry. We had to travel out from where we lived in our four-wheel drive Toyota Land Cruiser. But our Toyota Land Cruiser had thick black smoke billowing out of it. So the engine lacked power, and the air conditioner didn't work either, and we're talking 100-degree weather. And so we're traveling out there in this 100-plus degree weather on washboard roads, shaking us, and our senses were sh- broken, you know, just traveling, boom boom, 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 like that. For a while, and then you'd get to the end of the, this red clay road, and then you'd be on sandy roads, that the sand would go up almost to your axles. You had these deep tracks driving out to the village because we wanted to evangelize the village, right? And then we'd get out of the car. We'd be sweaty, tired because of just this massive drive that we'd just done. But we'd be standing on the hot sand surrounded by people, goats, sheep, camels. But we'd be preaching Jesus to them. These were Muslim people. They had never heard the gospel. They included men and women, if you could imagine, brightly colored clothes, but the children were dressed in basically rags, no shoes. And it was our joy to go out there and to preach the gospel. But our car was getting harder and harder to get out there, and the devil would whisper into my mind, because I knew we needed a new vehicle, he would whisper, you don't have enough money to do this anymore. Your car's going to break down. You're not going to be able to reach those people. And I was even looking at other missionaries who have better cars than us. Yeah, we missionaries can be jealous of other missionaries. (laughs) And uh, so their cars were always better than ours. And I said, but you know what? The Holy Spirit was also speaking to me. And I realized I need to ask my father to provide for us because he wouldn't have brought us out there without providing everything we needed. You hear that, people? Whatever you're doing, whatever God has given you to do, he doesn't make you do it without providing everything you need. But we need to ask him. And sometimes we think, ah, God doesn't want to, he's not thinking about me so much. But then we think about, he is our father. He's our father and he loves us. Just like all you parents out there with all these wonderful kids, you know what you want to do for your kids? Well, think about your heavenly father. Even more, how much more does he want to provide what you need to do the mission that God's given you to do here or overseas? So the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, and he speak, spoke Philippians 4.19, and we know what that verse says. And my God shall, apply, shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So Ginger and I prayed the prayer of faith. We, said we, took, we actually took God at his word. What a novel thing. You know, sometimes we read the word, but how often do we actually say, I'm taking your promise, your word. I'm going to believe it. You said it, and I believe it, and it's going to happen. So we prayed, and we prayed specifically. Specifically praying is important. So, you know, this was 2005, and we prayed, Lord, we need $45,000 for a brand new 2005 four-wheel drive Toyota Land Cruiser. And we prayed that prayer and then we expressed to the Father what we needed and we thanked Him like we knew we were going to get it. We thanked Him. You know, when you pray in faith, that means you should be thanking Him for the answer. So we thanked Him and uh, in the meantime though we kept driving our old vehicle with the black smoke billowing out for about another six months but you know what happened after six months people gave and gave and gave and all forty five thousand dollars came in we prayed practically god's word trusted him and he provided and you know what a lot of destinies were changed because that because we could have said "Oh, the car broke down we can't do that anymore we can't go to these villages these Muslim villages who need to hear God's word. No, we kept, we prayed, and God changed the destinies of people because we were able to go and preach Jesus to them. And many people got saved. We brought them into our Bible school, trained them up. Some of them became pastors, and they're leaders today in Niger. So I just wanted to tell you, wherever you're at, whatever you need, God's got special plans for you, and he will not, he'll provide all that you need for what he asked for you to do. He won't provide for what I need for you, but for you, he'll provide all that you need. You know, I love Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That means faith pleases God. Do you want to please God? Trust His word and walk in faith on His Word and, and believe it like it's true because it is. Too many times we just read the Word. And I, I'm talking to myself. And okay, that's a good word, but, but we need to st- put our trust in it and then do the word. Do it. So it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. We believe that God is. He's the living God. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, that's a key word diligently. Diligently seek him. We can't just play with God. We need to be diligent with him on a daily basis. Faith is daily walking out God's word all the time. It's not just coming to church on Sundays or doing other things. As good as coming to church is, and I'm I'm glad so many people are here, I see that this is a very healthy church because I can see all generations here. So what does faith mean? What does it mean? It's pretty simple. Trust God and his word and do it. An important verse that really identifies uh, gives a definition is of course uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So faith enables us To treat as reality those things that are unseen. Even when circumstances of life appear to contradict the truth of God's word. You know, sometimes circumstances don't, hey, that doesn't kind of line up. But it's still there. God's word is still there and things will line up. We just have to continue to believe even though things don't seem right, right, right at the moment. Faith is beyond God's intellect. Or man's intellect, I should say. Faith is beyond man's intellect. It's beyond our our thinking. God is so much higher. True faith is anchored in the word of God. We don't walk in faith through our reasoning, do we? Or trying to find scientific proof. Faith is not calculated through reason. Faith has nothing to do with our personal opinion. Faith is beyond the dimension of human thought because faith is... In the truths that are conceived in the mind of God, which we can see in His Word. We do not walk in faith through our five senses seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and touching. We do not walk in faith by our own thinking. We walk in faith by believing and doing what is from God's mind, which is revealed in His Word. That's what faith is, and we need to do that on a daily basis. I'm trying to encourage you, and I want to strengthen our faith for daily living. So faith is both knowledge and action. James 2.20 says, faith without works is dead. You might say, well, wait a minute. I thought when we get saved, it's only by faith. That's true. We're saved by faith, not by works. But after that, when we're walking with God, we must have good works, right? And so... Even in James 2.26, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So when we move today in faith, we need to put works, feet under our... You know, church doesn't just happen. There's a bunch of servants who come in and do the work. I couldn't be preaching it here if the sound booth wasn't working right. I'd have to yell a lot louder. So there's a lot of work that goes on in a church setting. Faith without works is dead, just like our body would be dead without the spirit. I wanted to tell you a story about Charles Blondin. He was a tightroper, tight walk roper, and he walked over Niagara Falls. He used a tight rope that was one thousand one hundred feet long. It was one hundred and sixty feet above the water. His tightrope was like three inches wide. And in 1859, he took his first walk across the tightrope. There were like 25,000 thrill seekers there waiting for him to fall in the water. The first time he crossed, now he crossed it many times. The first time, though, he used it with a balancing pole that was 20 feet wide, long, and weighed 50 pounds. And he walked across. But he stopped a third of the way across and sat down. And ahead of time, he had called for a tourist boat. Even back then, they had tourist boats there. And it came under where he was. And he threw a line down to the vessel. And they put a bottle of wine from the, from the, the boat, and he called it up. I wouldn't really recommend this, but he drank a bottle of wine and then walked the rest of the way on the tightrope. <laughs> but it took him 23 minutes to cross. And... Uh, he walked across many times. One time he walked across and uh, he had a a portable stove on his back. And this time he stopped again and he had some food with him. He cooked an omelet on the stove. The story doesn't say what he did with the stove after he was done. I assume he threw that in the water and not put it back on his back. But he made an omelet and again he had a tourist boat down there and he dropped put the Lord, the omelet down there, and the tour some of the tourists ate the omelet. Then he walked the rest of the way. Another time, he had a manager, and he carried his manager across. This is what it says in the Smithsonian. I'm not making this stuff up. And uh, another time, he walked. He went across. His hands and legs were bound in chains. I don't know how he did that one, but. At one point when he was going to make one more trip, he had a wheelbarrow. And there was a man on the side and he said, hey, you want to get in? Can you believe I can bring a man over the tightrope on this wheelbarrow? And the guy said, yeah, 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 yeah. And he said, get in. I said, no, 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 no. So you know, this man's response is a lesson for us. Because it's contrast, you, have, you, you believe something could happen, but you, can't, you don't believe you're going to do it. You can't do it. While, so while the man believed Charles Blondin could carry someone across the tightrope in a wheelbarrow, he didn't have faith to get in himself. Now, we're not going to be asked to get in a wheelbarrow for our life to go across Niagara Falls. But we're going to do something just like that, something that's impossible. I'm sure Pastor Matt, maybe being part of this church, maybe at the beginning it seemed like, man, this is a big work. I don't know if I can do it, but God provides. Whatever it is, God gives us impossible stuff to do. Why? So we can trust in him. We can't do it. So what is your wheelbarrow that you need to climb in? It may not be going across Niagara Falls. But there's a wheelbarrow. It was for us to go to Africa. How do we do that? How can we do that? So, strong faith is believing and doing whatever impossible thing God has specifically for us. So, in the early 1990s, let me tell you another story. God spoke to my heart in his still small voice. I was praying for the nations, and he said, You go. And I told Ginger about it. And we told our pastors. And God was opening the doors. So you know what we did? We sold everything we had. Except for the things we could carry over to the state. Over to Africa. We quit our jobs. Our daughter got a full ride at the University of Maryland. So she was going to stay and go to university. We had two young sons, 6 and 11. And so we were ready to go. And you know what happens? Just before you think everything's just right and you're going to make this great step of faith, then the devil tries to stop you. The devil will try to discourage you. Just like it says in Ephesians 6.16, but we must above all take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench or extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. And I was thinking about this the other day. Remember those old cowboy movies where the Indians were going around the fort shooting arrows with fire on them? And you'd see the settlers and the soldiers inside putting, pouring buckets of water over. And even occasionally a soldier would get shot in the arm with fire and they'd have to put that out. That's not the kind of shield of faith I want. That's too late. <laughs> we want the shield of faith more like, remember the Scud missile? They would fire these Scud missiles. They didn't have any, they'd just land anywhere. But then they came up with a Patriot missile system, a surface-to-air missile. So these Scuds would come in, and they'd shoot the Patriot, so the Scud would not land. That's the kind of shield we want, and using the Word of God to defeat it before it gets to us. We need to quench it. Now, going back to the story where Gina and I and our two sons are ready to go over to Africa. Things started happening. One of our pastors had a nervous breakdown. This is like six months before. We're, we've been planning for years to go. And our church was our main uh, supporter. Our, one of our main pastors had a nervous breakdown. And we weren't sure how the, because he was going to take over the church. Just about the time we were leaving, and we didn't know if the church was even going to survive. And they were the ones who were going to support us. But things went okay, and we just spoke God's word. Then my dad said, just before we were leaving, he told me, don't go, you're going to come back in a coffin. So, you know what I said? No, we're going to go and make a difference in Niger. So the devil's fiery darts... We're like people saying things. Look, negative things that come into your life; those are the fiery darts. The devil is going to try to say stuff, use other people sometimes, or maybe your own negative thoughts. Those are fiery darts, and we need to speak the word of God against those fiery darts. That's our shield of faith. Speak back at it. I said, "We're not going to live. We're going to die. We're not going to die. We're going to live." Why well, can't be? It could be trouble up here sometimes, you know. So my dad said that, and then my close friend said, you don't need to go, you just send money. They just need money, you don't go. And I said, you know, it's a good thing to give money overseas, but God called us to go, so that's what we're doing. So that fiery dart, I had to extinguish by speaking, God called us to go, go into all the nations. And then a relative said, oh, why are you going overseas? There's so many needs here in the United States. I said, yeah, that's true. But God called us to go. So you see, when negative thoughts, negative thinking in your heart, your mind, or people say things, you've got to use God's word and know who you are to defeat those. Because it's going to be constant. The fiery darts are going to come. We need to extinguish them by God's word. And speaking, knowing what God has for us. So you know what happened? We ended up going. All those things, even through the nervous breakdown that a pastor had, even through all these negative things, we went on time. And we spent 18 years, like I said before, and we evangelized villages. And uh, we did all these things were impossible in our own strength. Ginger and I always say, you know, we didn't even have a college education when we went and I end up doing the Bible school director she'd end up being the primary school directress. we didn't have any degrees or anything but over a third world country they just get what they get you know they anything that we have is a lot more than they already have God wants to use us don't sell yourself short God will stretch you in ways you can't even imagine I never thought I'd be a Bible school director but hundreds of people graduated pastors came out of that And we just have to say, whatever's impossible with us, it's possible with God. God wants us to do exploits. He wants you to do exploits. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, he's never done with us until he comes back to get us. Oh, we're in the grave. Faith is both knowledge and action. You know, the demons say, it says in James 2.19, You believe that there's one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So when we're just believing, we do as much as the demons do. It's when we do it and follow his word, that's when we're doing what God wants us to do. It's not just enough to believe. It's to go out and do it. Put feet to your faith. There's a difference between mental agreement and genuine faith. Doing. It's a difference between... Hey, you believe you can get in? I, you can get in. Somebody can get in the barrel and go across. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, get in. No, 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 no. God's got your wheelbarrow somewhere that you need to get in. It's not going to be over the Niagara Falls, but it's whatever God's got for you, and you can do it if you trust God's word. Remember Jesus walking on the water towards the boat with Peter. Toward, and Peter, Peter even asked Jesus, I thought this was awesome. Peter said in Matthew 14, 22 through 33, somewhere in there, Peter said to Jesus, command me to come to you on the water. How about that? Peter, you know, he put his foot in his mouth a lot of times, but a lot of times he moved in great faith. He, told, he asked Jesus, command me to come out. And Jesus said, come. And Peter was actually walking on the water. Now we know that he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the wind and the waves. But he was out there. The other guys didn't even get out. And you know what? That stretches faith for the next time. Get out of the boat. Trust God. We need to take chances. People who take chances. But not chances in our own strength. Chance, uh, trusting in him, faith in him. You might say, how do I get strong faith? How do I get this? Easy, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Read the word of God, you hear it. Faith comes stronger. I want to tell you another story that I heard about how the word builds our faith. There was a minister at a church one day speaking and a young man stumbled out from the street, came into the church. He had overdosed on drugs. First, he was sitting in the back row, but he was so drugged up, he fell off the chair and was laying basically in the aisle there in the back. The speaker walked back to him and knelt over him and spoke very quietly like a whisper in his ear, and he said, You shall live and not die. You shall not, you shall live and not die. And when he was done speaking, he went back up and continued preaching. Before he had finished, the young man had actually been able to get up and he walked out of the church. And several months passed, but he came back to the church and he confessed that he had been on drugs, which was obvious, and he was actually dying from the overdose right there. But he said, he had slipped onto unconsciousness, but he suddenly heard this voice that said, you shall live and not die. And the young man said, it wasn't like a a light went inside his head. He said it was actually ricocheting in his mind. And the more it ricocheted, the more it echoed in his mind, the more light in God's word was just bouncing around in his mind. And he said, because of that, I was able, that's why I got up and was able to get out. This thing was happening in my head when you said that word. And he said, since that day, I've completely abandoned drugs. And now I've come back and I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. And he prayed and received the Lord. So from a simple word spoken by a, a preacher to this man, he spoke the word of life to him and the power of the Holy Spirit took over. And that man was saved and delivered. See, the word of God, we need to chew on it. We need to memorize it. We need to think about it. And it's like it'll ricochet in our mind. And light comes in. Not drugs. God's word, the living word. Just think about it ricocheting in your mind when you're thinking about God's word. It just bounces around. It brings light. That's, that's what... God wants us to do. If we want to build our faith, our faith for daily living, read his word, think about his word, chew on his word. When we're driving, you know, we left San Antonio, Texas on Wednesday and we're just making our way over here. A lot of the time while I'm driving, if I'm not talking to Ginger, I'll just be thinking about these words of faith. God's word. And chewing on it. You know, Luke 17, 5 says, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So we can also ask. Ask God. These guys were living with Jesus for three years. They still ask Jesus, increase our faith. Make that your prayer. God, increase my faith. We always need more faith for the next thing that happens in in our journey of life, right? Each day, increase, ask him, increase our faith. In Mark 9 24, there was a story about the man who had a son who had a mute spirit and he was being thrown around by the demons and everything. And uh, even the, the, the disciples didn't do much to help him. And Jesus said in verse 24, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You can even pray that. We pray, increase our faith, but sometimes. You know, doubts will try to come in. Let's say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Even when we falter, you know, we falter sometimes. Our faith is tested all the time. I love this verse in 1 Peter 1.7. It says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Our faith is so important. It's tested by fire. It's always tested. What are you going to do the next time you have a situation? You're going to believe the devil's going to come with those fiery darts. You're being tested. And then he says, though it is tested by fire, may be found that is your faith may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ when Jesus comes back he's looking for us to have that kind of faith he's not he's not going to come back for a church that's weak he's coming back for a strong church with genuine faith for daily living daily living god is moving I wanted us to look at uh, Romans chapter 4. Talk about great faith. Paul writes about Abraham. And I'm going to read these verses Romans chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse 18 to 22. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed. He's talking about Abraham. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. Remember Abraham and Sarah could not have children. And when God was first talking to him, he was 75 years old. And it says in verse 19, And not being weak in faith, Abraham not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Already dead. Oh, yeah, here's, here he was about 100 years old because it's 20. The first time God spoke to me was 75. Now it's 25 years later and he's 100 years old. His body's dead, practically speaking, to have children, right? And it said, and his, Sarah's womb was dead too. But yet God said, You're going to be the father of many nations. Wow. And then it says in verse 20, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God. We need to put our name in there. Rich did not waver at the promise of God. Through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Why? In verse 21, powerful verse. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was able to perform. Being fully convinced. Abraham was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. It brings tears in my eyes just saying it. Because that's to us too, not just to Abraham. It's to us, each person. What has he promised? He's promises in his word, and he's maybe given you prophetic promises to your own life. Be Be fully persuaded. He's able to perform it. He wants to. He's your father. And it says there, verse 22, And therefore it was counted to him for righteousness. I just want to go back to Genesis 15, because this is the original thing that God says to Abraham. Paul is just uh, reminding us what happened and encouraging us to be full of faith like Abraham. So if we look at uh, Genesis 15... Verses 5 and 6. Well, I'll go back to verse 3. It says, Then Abram said, in chapter 15, verse 3 of Genesis, Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house, my servant is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body will be your heir. Then he took Abram outside and said look toward the heaven and count all the stars try to count them if you're able and he said to him so shall your descendants or your offspring be what a promise God has given us promises too what promises has God given you believe and then do what it takes to get there When God called Jinder and I to go to Africa, I didn't just say, hey, man, I'm going to Africa, and sit there and pray 24 hours a day and never do anything. No, we had to get prepared, know the word, sell things, get a ticket, tell our children, get ready. You have to put feet to your faith. Whatever God's got for you, do work with it. Without work, it's, it's, faith is dead without works. You need to put feet to your faith. So I just wanted to pray for people as I close here. You don't have to come forward, but I want you to close your eyes. And I want to pray for you, but I just want to see... Think about the things that God is speaking to you in your life. Think about those things that God has for you. He wants you to do exploits no matter who you are here. Exploits. He doesn't want us to be normal Christians just living out our life. He wants us to do exploits. It may just be that you're working in a factory and God says, I wanna, I'm going to write... Uh, a testimony and put it on paper and give it to the people who work with me after work. Or maybe God's called you to be a worship leader or maybe it's God has told you to move to another state to get a job there and earn a living there. Whatever it is, think about it right now and I'm going to pray for you. Praying for you right now. Father, I thank you for everyone here. Lord, I pray that they have genuine faith that will move mountains. On a daily basis, they will walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, you'll help them. Uh, They will not trust in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And they'll be fully persuaded that you're able to do what you promised them. Lord, from the smallest child here to the oldest person here. You want them to do exploits. Lord, I pray that they will be charged up today by your spirit and by your word to go out and do new things, do exploits, step out in faith, jump in the wheelbarrow, read your word and let it ricochet around in their mind as they meditate on it. It increases their faith. They'll step out of the boat and walk on the water. Lord, they'll trust you like Abraham did for the impossible. And they'll be pleasing to you because you said without faith it's impossible to please God. But that you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek them. So I'm praying right now, Father, that you reward the people here as they walk out and step out in faith. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Thanks, Rich. That really is an incredible verse in Romans four, verse twenty-one, which it, it serves as the the linchpin in his argument. I, I think so often we look at our life, our walk with God, even our faith, and then we want to sort of pull it into human terms about how much we believe, how hard we believe, how diligently we believe. And yet we find there that he wasn't convinced anything about himself because God's promises God's covenant that he had made to Abraham was beyond Abraham's ability but it says he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised Uh, friends often our lack of faith isn't about our lack of ability it's we are misunderstanding God we are forgetting the sovereign nature of who our God the great king of the universe is and therefore we waver in those moments and God would call us to greater faithfulness. Worship team, if you would come for the rest, would you grab your bulletin? let's look together, even as we come to the table of the Lord as we do every week, reminding ourselves rightly of who this God is. It would be so easy to just reduce some some measure of faith as many do to a a certain feeling that I get when I go to church and yet as good and as reaffirming as all of the feeling and emotion that come with knowing and worshiping God it must be rooted first even as this verse in Romans 4 reminds us in the reality of who our God is so would you grab your bulletin it's going to be up on the screen together but let's do what the church has done for oh I don't know about 2,000 years, and confess together, this is our God. And then after we do that, as we sing, would you come? If you're a believer, come to the table. If you're not a believer, I'd actually invite you not to come. And not because you're not welcome here, not because we don't love you, but because the scripture says that when we come to the table, we take and hold the elements of bread and wine, and in it, we are told by Jesus that this represents his body broken on the cross for us that God is able to do all that He has promised. This is His blood shed for us, that God is able to do all that He has promised in taking away our sins. And so, if you're a believer, come and declare with me, here is my hope. It is in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, not me, not my efforts, not my goodness. It is in Christ alone. But if you're not a believer, don't come and proclaim, my hope is in Jesus Christ, if your hope is not in Jesus Christ. In fact, rather, I would say, in that moment, And, hey, let's be honest. Come in some place and then somebody goes, hey, don't come. You're like, yeah, I wish I hadn't come. (laughs) Right? This would have been nice. I could have stayed home. I could have slept in. Embrace the awkwardness of the moment. If God is real, if heaven is real, and by the way, when your loved one dies, everybody hopes heaven's real. If hell is real oh, this is the moment to embrace the awkward and say, God, if this is true, if you really are the king of creation, if you really are the Lord of my life, if you really have the power to do all you have promised in saving even a wretch like me, God, let me see it. That would be a powerful way to redeem this awkward moment. But let's confess together our hope and faith. We believe in God, the Father Almighty. Thanks for joining our podcast. We pray that God would bless you and strengthen you through His Word. If you'd like to find out more about EWC or give tithes and offerings in support of this ministry, visit our website at edenworshipcenter.co.